Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to this Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm talking with uh, Fergal O'Rourke from uh, PwC Ireland as they report a 5.7 gender pay gap. How's it going, Fergal? Going well, thanks. So tell us about the data you used to prepare your gender pay gap report. Well, as you know, the gender pay uh, issue is very live at the moment. The government are going to bring in legislation which will make it mandatory for companies in probably next year or the year after. It's still in the distance. But we decided, look, uh, it's a big issue. It's a big issue in the diversity agenda. So we decided we'd go early. And effectively, what uh, the gender pay gap is about, it's not about equal pay. Equal pay is a legal requirement. Two people doing the same job must get paid the same amount. What the gender pay cap tries to measure is the relativities of males and females at effectively at senior levels in the organisation. Yeah. So I'll give you just a quick example. If you've got 10 people on a work floor, on the, on the, the uh, work floor and let's say nine women and one man and they're all been paid 50,000, uh, that's equal pay. Now let's say you've got a male managing director and he's on 100,000. Well, the average male salary there is 75,000, one in 100, one in 50. The average female salary is 50,000. So the gender pay gap there is 25,000 euro expressed as a function of the male's salary, which is a one third, a 33% gender pay gap. So what it really measures is where are women are women represented enough in senior parts of the organization? And did you find that where? Overall, yes. I mean, IBEC uh, estimates that the gender pay gap in Ireland is 14%. Uh, In PwC as a firm, uh, when we looked at the data from our our payroll systems, uh, our gender pay gap was 5.7%, which... In as I'm, if you read the literature, anything in around five percent or less is effectively parity. Yeah. Now that's for our nearly three thousand and two people as of the end of last month. If you just focused on the those people who were eligible for a bonus, so managers and above, it's a it's a it's a cadre of about eleven eleven hundred odd people. Uh, that gender pay gap widens a little bit uh, to thirteen to eleven point six percent, and it's. That's still okay, but you know it says to us there are certain areas of the firm where we don't have enough females in senior positions, and some of that is societal. Um, so, for example, in the uh, whole area of STEM, yeah. it's not just a PwC issue. We don't have enough females in those areas. It's actually a societal issue as well. But it's calculating the number is one thing. You've then got to say, well, okay, what are we going to do about it? And we've, we've had a couple of initiatives underway now. For example, one of them, and again, you know, uh, some of these things aren't evident until you actually see it yourself in real life. We make sure everybody who interviews now undergoes uh, unconscious bias training. Uh, so they eliminate any unconscious biases they have. We're making sure any advertisements we have use language which is gender neutral because there is a good school of literature about how the wording of advertisements can make them more seem more uh, attractive to men rather yeah. than women. Uh, things like um, eliminating, uh, on the allocation of work, again, eliminating some unconscious biases you might have. So, for example you know, somebody's back from maternity leave and you say, there's a big assignment comes in, well, we, we possibly shouldn't give it to her because she's just back from maternity leave, she mightn't be able to do it. 
we'd never say that about a man, mm-hmm. but yet we'd say it about a woman. So again, we're challenging ourselves to sort of say, look, don't be making these assumptions uh, when you're allocating work just because somebody's a male over a female. You should treat them uh, identically. So, um, and again, I suppose it's making sure that everything we do, whether it's uh, uh, appraisals, whether it's allocation of work, we make sure we're doing it through a gender-neutral lens. Because at the end of the day, this isn't about um, quotas or it's not about promoting people who don't have the right ability. It's ma- What it's all about is making sure that the uh, there are no obstacles or barriers in yeah. the way, that people can compete on an equal basis. And right now there are some societal issues that would say sometimes they can't. And I guess right now you're a little bit more certain that if a person's good enough for a job, that she'll do the job, regardless. Absolutely. You will always want to pick the best person for the job, but you've got to recognise that in doing that, we have to make sure it's a level playing field. I guess you can't have someone say, oh, because she's a woman, you can't get pregnant and have kids. Absolutely not. No, no, no. It, it, it must be. And in fairness, I, I've been very fortunate. It, most of my professional career, I've worked for women. Yeah. Uh, when I was growing up, my mother had a job, my father had a job. Uh, my father was great in retrospect growing up in sort of 1970s uh, Athlone. Uh, he was very progressive for his time in making sure my mother had time for her career and he took on the domestic roles at yeah. times to make sure that took place so I was very fortunate I grew up in an environment where it was quite the norm and when I came here uh, you know it, it, it always it was the norm I was working for women all the way up we have the highest number uh, and highest percentage of female partners in any professional service firm in Dublin so I think we're good at what we do yeah. and this but there's room for improvement, and I'm determined that we will make those improvements. Well, I'm sure you will. Obviously, because you've got the brand name behind you, PwC, that helps you more so stand out. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because we obviously released this to our people about two months ago and, uh, you know, did a town hall where we took any questions on, on the whole thing. And really good engagement by our, our, our staff on this. I wanted to let it settle within. I didn't want, you know, I, I really wanted our people to absorb this and, and, and to ask whatever questions. And once we felt we had disseminated it rightly within the organisation and we'd taken all the questions and on board, I then moved to talk to our clients about it. So we went public there uh, last week and I took the opportunity to speak to a number of chief executives and chairmen about it. And to a man and woman, they came back and said, this is really top for agenda and we want to hear what you did. And I think it goes back to a point, you know, if you're a consultancy, a leading professional services firm like ourselves and you're selling something, to a certain extent, you know, people see you coming in the door saying, oh, you're in a sales mode here. When you go in saying, We've done this to ourselves. We've gone on this journey. We've we've made these mistakes. We've we've made these uh, positive uh, steps. There's a real willingness then to talk to because people are saying you've done it to yourself. Yeah. We, we're all ears. Yeah. Yeah. Off, can we, uh, off air, he said to me, "It's like eating your own dog food." It is. That's yeah. a phrase. I, I think it was Albert Reynolds who, uh, when he ran his dog food company back in the day, used to claim he ate his own dog food before he let it out yeah. on his customers. Uh, I, I think there's an element that we we you know, as a professional service firm, yes, you are always selling sort of uh, various solutions. But I think when you go to somebody and say this is a big societal issue, it's a big business issue we've done it to ourselves and we'd like to share the experiences that we've learned on this journey with you. I, what I found over the last week is that senior executives and senior directors are all ears to hear about it. You tell them it's a good, the bad and the ugly. We've done it all. Been through we've it done all. a bit. Of, yeah, and like, you know, you, you do learn things. You learn things about your organisation. I mean, the, the calculation exercise is really the smaller part of the exercise. You've yeah. then got to say, how are we going to communicate this? 
How are we going to engage with our people on this? And then what solutions are we going to put in place to drive that uh, gender pay gap down? You don't want a scenario where you're telling them what to do, but you're not willing to do it yourselves. Oh yeah, I'm a firm believer. And there are other things we've done. For example, you know, we've implemented Salesforce uh, within the firm here. And I'm very comfortable then going out talking to executives about helping them implement Salesforce, again, because we've done it to ourselves. And you can talk with real authenticity and belief if you're able to say, look, these are the things to watch out for. This is the reaction from, it's going to be from certain parts of your organization. These are going to be the obstacles that are put up. These are the solutions you're going to present them with. And I think if you've done it to yourself, you really have an authenticity about your, your sales pitch, for want of a better yeah. word, that, that is gro- that's grounded and rooted in actual experience, which you is fantastic. Tell, tell the war stories of what you've been through. Oh, yeah. I mean, but you know yourself, I mean, you know, what do people remember? They remember the war stories. They yeah. remember the anecdotes, which uh, really, and it's the same. I used to lecture for a number of years in, in tax back in the day, and I remember talking to people afterwards, and they'd say, God, I always remember you told a story about a company without naming it, but you told a story about a company and they ran into this tax problem. I always remember that story. Yeah. And it's the same in, in, in many other walks of life. People remember the anecdotes. I guess with anecdotes, more than some of the, they can tell their friends over a pint or something. Ah, yeah, or yeah. It's, it's of interest. It, it, you know. And again, you know, they tend to remember, they remember the things that went well, but they're also interested in like what didn't go well or what, you know, and, and like nobody will do something perfectly. And, and again, you know, as we implemented Salesforce, there were one or two things we didn't. I said, okay, if I had a do-over and had a second chance, maybe I would have changed that step or altered that step. But you know what? You learn from uh, the missteps you make. And I think... Certainly, as we talk to clients about, in that example, implementing Salesforce, you really are able to talk with credibility about the, 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 the pitfalls that might arise that they wouldn't be familiar with, uh, other than the fact that um, it, you've, done it, you've done it yourself. Yeah, I guess everyone's saying, if you're telling somebody uh, about this, then they ask you, well, what, what problems do you face? Oh, yeah, you'd be very open. And if you're going... Actually, we didn't face anyway. <laughs> no, no, not, 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 not a credible answer. And you're going to be our guinea pigs. Do you mind being a guinea pigs? No, no, no. As I say, there's uh, it, it definitely it, it definitely helps that uh, you know you you're, you you've done something yourself, and I just think that the credibility you get from having done it to yourself is huge. Yeah, I guess it's basically if you're like if you're like somebody who's got a latest drug for for some illness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, if you're not going to do that, like small food, you're not going to do that, then who's going to do it? Like yeah. faster. Yes. Think about that. So in other words, what you're doing, you're telling the guys, look, we've we've done the pain for you again. Not as dramatic as Louis yeah. Pasteur, but all no. the same. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. We've we've done it. And I guess also when we're talking about that, uh, uh, what what else did the report find? Uh, really, that I I, I suppose. Uh, you know, if I look throughout our organisation, we're in very good shape in a lot of places in our organisation. As I mentioned, uh, it, it does, uh, the, the mechanism for doing the report does allow you to highlight the areas where you'd probably have a fair idea if you looked at it, but it gives you really on. Um, it gives you data that you can't contradict yeah. that's saying, look, you've got a gender pay gap in this particular area here. So if you go to a part of the organisation and say, look, you're out of sync with the rest of the organisation, here's the data. You can't really quibble with the data. Now let's look at how did this arise. And there are one or two little pockets of the organisation where I looked and said, okay, we clearly there are not enough females in, in that. We've one or two uh, parts of our organisation where females are really very strongly represented. And uh, it's, it, it just gives you a really interesting insight to all parts of your organization when you break it down by the various different business units within it so I you know I'm I 
one of the strong sentiments that came back when I presented this to our people was they were really proud. They were proud that we had an outcome at 5.7% that um, is would in fact compare really favourably with say our, some of our, our international counterparts in PwC UK and Australia really compared fantastically with uh, the IBEC estimate of 14% uh, around the country so there was a huge amount of pride and I think that's also evidenced by we've a, a large number of female role models around the organisation yeah. that uh, are there. So I, I, I got a lot of pride out of it, I got a lot of insight out of it, but I also got a to-do list of things that we need to do to make sure we're, we're driving good and all as those numbers are that we're driving it down next year. And why do you think the gender pay gap still exists? Um, I, I, it would be interesting to see if we had done this exercise 10 years ago. Yeah. I think if we'd done it 10 years ago, you would see that, certainly in PwC, and I think in society as a trajectory as a whole, that gap is narrowing. Yeah. I think there are still some societal issues. We talked earlier about the STEM area where women are not as well represented in STEM areas. I think there has been a lot of legislative changes in, in recent times that make it easier for women to participate in the workforce. Um, I think you know progress has been made, but there are still some societal issues uh, that uh, you have to address. I think it's great in the organisation. Our, our, our gender diversity now is we have 52% female and 48% male. Again, if I went back 10 or 15 years, that would have been probably 60, 40 male. Mm-hmm. So as an organisation, I think the demographics are working in our favour. Yeah. I think... Uh, you know, if you come back here in five years' time, Ron, I think you'll find that um, the gap has narrowed further. Why? Because really strong women that we've recruited over the last five or ten years are now beginning, even, even in greater numbers, uh, to make it to partner level. And, you know, um, I'm hoping that... Uh, I'm the uh, since PwC was formed in 1998 as the merger of two other firms. I am the third managing partner. All have been males so far. I'd like to think it wouldn't be too far in the future that my successor or one of my subsequent successors is a female. That's when we know that uh, the gender pay gap will be almost uh, totally eliminated. And I guess that's no longer a dream; it's reality. It is. I mean, if I look at my management team now this time round, we have Susan Kilty. Uh, she's the first female to lead one of our three main service line uh, uh, service line areas and and you know we have as i say about 30 percent of our partners are female uh, it's it's a strong story but our best days are ahead of us when it comes to uh, gender pay so guess what i mean what can we do to stop the gender pay gap uh, just keep uh, being conscious of the unconscious biases that are around us in society and within our organizations and make sure it's we constantly force it on to our own agendas and and uh, deal with those issues that emerge. I think for if we're the more conscious we are of it, and one of the benefits in the literature would say this is one of the benefits of highlighting the gender pay gap is it gets addressed, it gets focused on, and it gets addressed. And I think that's where we're going to end up. Because I guess years ago, if you wanted to do like a weekend uh, team bond exercise, you all made orientated. <laughs> Whereas now, now you you have to change that slightly to get women inclusive as well. Oh yeah, but again. Thankfully, we're an organisation that's been like that for quite a while, yeah. and uh, as I say, uh, I think we're, it's it's a very good start. It's a very good story, um, but uh, we're not going to rest on our laurels. Yeah, one more thing, can you think of other sectors that uh, the gender pay gap is pretty big? Like, for example, you mentioned STEM. 
Yeah, I, I, I think again, you know, Michael O'Leary would have made a comment there recently how in Ryanair he didn't release the number, I think, but he, you know, he said it's very high because of the number of male pilots. Yeah. You would say the construction industry, again, it's a very male dominated industry. I would say the bookmaking industry, again, a very yeah. male dominated industry. So I think as you go through uh, industries, um, it, it's sector by sector, but again, it's a lot of it's probably societal or the way those industries have emerged over the years. So I think it'd be really interesting whether it's next year or the year after. Um, I think when when it's implemented, the legislation is implemented and it will require companies to disclose uh, their gender pay gap. Um, I think you're going to have certain industries which are real outliers yeah. and they'll really be focused on to see can they, can they drive and narrow that down. I think, you know, as, a, as an industry, I think professional service won't be too bad and I think we'll be that better the very better end of yeah. professional services but it'll be it'll be really interesting and I think it will put equality on the um, on the business agenda in a more heightened way than it is currently you know things certain areas like like Lars and Kelvin's I also had a large female intake in them, which is... That's a phenomenon of my professional yeah. lifetime. Again, if I go back, you know, 20 or 30 years when I joined, there was a lot of female intake, but uh, males tend to dominate. That's not the case now. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Not at all. Have a great day. Cheers, Ron. Thanks.